Okay, well, as y'all know, for the last several weeks, we've been talking about love. I'm like, y'all do know what we've been talking about, right? (laughs) Praise the Lord. We've been talking about love. And we've been talking about us loving each other and loving others, right? But listen, we can't talk about love without talking about God's love for us. Remember, he said that we love, why? Because he first loved us, right? Amen. That's in 1 John 4, 19. Just throw that up there. We just want to prove everything's in the Bible. Thank you. We love him because he first loved us. He first loved us, okay? The truth is that unless I am rooted and grounded in the love of Christ for me, I'm going to have problems Fulfilling the commandment. What is that commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And you shall love others as as yourself. I have to be rooted and grounded in that love that God has for me before I can possibly even consider being able to fulfill that mandate on me. And so it's, it, it, it's critical for us to be successful in this, this love walk that we're endeavoring to be on, to understand this. And then the secondary thing that we, we have to be rooted in this to keep us from getting into fear when we talk about right living. Now, there's a reason why I'm talking about this. You know, Pastor, um, Pastor Lisa and Pastor Daryl, last week they were talking about forgiveness and I, if y'all were here then you you remember a lot of what happened what they were told, telling the story about the pastor who died and he ended up in hell because he was in unforgiveness towards his wife okay now the idea of that is this it's not a joke and you do need to take it serious, what God told you. You need to have a reverential fear. But here's where the problem is. Some people went out and got into a spirit of fear. And that can happen when we are not rooted and grounded in understanding that our God has done everything that he can. He has done everything that he can to get you in to heaven. He is not sitting in, on the throne hoping that he... Oh, sorry about that. Hold on, guys. Let me remove the earring. Just hoping that he could <laughs> just hoping that he could just zap you and send you to hell. That's not what he's doing. Amen. That's 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 not his purpose. But I have to be rooted and grounded in that. And you know, some of our students they got a little concerned about that. And if you're in Bible school, we just came out of Galatians, and you know we're going into James, and that's a strong now that's a strong book. And so we need to have just a little bit of balance. And so tonight, remember, there's always a middle ground. Okay? We don't want to fall in the ditch on one side, but we don't want to fall in the ditch on the other side either. And, and, and you know, Pastor and, and Pastor Lisa, their, their goal was not to put anybody in fear. I know that for a fact. We talked about it. And so, and so they do want you to have a reverential fear of God. They want you to take the things of the word seriously. And indeed, there's plenty of warning in there that tells us we should. Amen? Amen. But when I'm rooted and I'm grounded in the love and I have some understanding, I will want to do that purely out of the love, just out of the overflow of the love that God has put in me. And I won't walk around in fear and the devil will not be able to deceive me. And make me think I've lost my salvation when I've just simply missed it somewhere. Okay? And so tonight I want to talk about that just a little bit. Um, first we're going to start out with Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40. And I'm going to cheat and just look at this because, well, it's easy. <laughs> okay, praise the Lord. Thank you. Um, so Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, those are commandments. But listen, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. 
if we fulfill these two things, we've, we fulfilled all the law. Because if I love Paul, like the Bible talks about, about love, if I love Char, like the Bible talks about love, if I love Rosie, I'll do them no harm. I'll not steal, I'll not kill, I'll not lie. Right? But I cannot possibly give away what I do not have, what I do not recognize that I have. Amen? Okay. Now, Joyce Meyer, y'all are familiar with her. You know, she was talking about this on on one of her videos, you know, one of her programs. And she was talking about how that she was trying to walk in this love walk and she was just finding herself being really unsuccessful about it. And she was before the Lord, and I guess she was, uh, I don't know if she was complaining about her husband or, or what, but she said God suddenly showed her what it was like for him to live with her. And she was devastated when she saw. She started crying. <laughs> she, was, she was complaining about her husband, and she became devastated when God showed her how this looked from the other side for him to live with her. <laughs> and as she was before the Lord praying about it, He said, Joyce, why don't you take a year and just let me love you for a year? His answer to her was not to bash her over the head with her failures. His answer to her was, you know what's wrong with you, Joyce? You're not grounded in my love. And therefore, you do not give my love. And so for a year... She spent time in her word looking for all the verses and all the things that told her about God's great love for her. And she says that it transformed her life. It's the foundation for where she is now. And so I feel that we need to talk a little bit about this. How many of y'all think that's important? Amen? Okay. Now... It's not always, the first thing I want to start off with is, listen, love is not always a feeling. When you read 1 Corinthians 13, there's nowhere that it says feel any kind of way. It tells you, it gives you directives of what? Actions. Actions that you will take. Right? It tells you how love behaves. Amen? Amen? Right? Yes. Now, we know when I, when I talk to you about God loves us, you're not always going to feel like you're, feel love, God's love. Okay? You're not always going to walk around going, oh, I just, man, today I just feel God's love. No, some days you're going to get up and it's going to be annoying and what you're going to feel is annoyed. But how am I going to know God loves me when I can't feel it? I'm going to have to know what he told me in the word, aren't I? I'm going to have to be rooted and grounded in that. And do you know that's the same way I'm going to be able to give love out to someone else when I have no feeling that says I love them. Because it's not a feeling. It's actions, directives, and behaviors. That is the description of love. Amen? It is. Okay, and so... Now, when I talk to you about God loving you, and I say that to you, all of you, if I said, do you know that God loves you? Well, let me just ask you, do you all know that God loves you? Let me see your hand. Yes, Yes, sir. Look around. Everybody look around. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Jerry, why isn't your hand up? (laughs) Okay. Now, every hand went up as I expected. Because we've all heard the verses like John 3, 16. God so loved, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Awesome verse. But when I get down to the nitty gritty with you and I ask you, do you know that God loves you personally? You, Char. Do you know he loves you? You, the individual. Do you know he loves you, Rosie? Well, now we start getting a little bit more difficult, see? It starts to get a little bit more difficult for us to believe that. And this is how we evaluate that. We start evaluating it by our own value that we place on ourselves and the values that other people have placed on us. Right? 
You know, things like, um, well, let's see, does God love me? Hmm, how good has my Christian walk been this week? You know what? I got aggravated with my husband and I yelled at him and um, I wasn't very patient about the food. And I threw it in the refrigerator and um, I should have obeyed over there, but I didn't do it. And Oh, I don't know if God loves me that much, you know. That's what we do. That's what we do, you know. Here's another one. Well, I, well, I mean, I'm sure God loves me like he loves everybody, but he doesn't, you know, he loves everybody, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't love me as love, much as he loves like a pastor or, or Reverend Hankins or Mary Fran because, after all, I'm not doing anything big in the ministry. Right? I'm talking about hindrances to us believing that God loves us personally. Personally. Okay? Here's another one. Well, I'm just not super talented or anything. I mean, I come to church, I sit down, I can't sing or play an instrument, and I don't preach, and you know, I'm just, I'm just not that important. So other people don't esteem me very highly, and so I'm pretty sure that God probably doesn't either. I mean, I'm just one of the masses. I'm not one of the special ones. Oh, so special. <laughs> right? I mean, this is what we think. This is how we think. But do you know, let me tell you something. Do you know that God loves you because he is love? Do you know that he could not feel anything else towards you? He could not be anything else towards you. He cannot be Anything else towards you because what he is, is what? Love. Love. How could he possibly be anything else towards Char or towards Rosie or towards Tracy or towards Paul or towards Pastor Jeannie or towards Teresa or any of you sitting here? He cannot be anything else. He cannot be anything else towards you but love. Amen? Amen? And I'm here to tell you something. That's even when you're feeling uh, convicted. That's love. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Okay? So God cannot be anything but what he is. So now let's remind ourselves. Now, I didn't give this to you up there. Um, uh, who's up there? Whoever's up there, I'm sorry. I didn't give this to you, but we're going to read 1 Corinthians 13. Because I just felt led at this moment. That if we're going to talk about God as love, let's just remind ourselves what that love is. Okay? And we're just going to go right down. We're going to go right down to, to verse 4. It says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Listen here. Love never fails. Now listen, God's telling you who he is right there. He's telling you what love is. And all of that was what? Behaviors and manners, wasn't it? All of it was behaviors and manners. Nowhere did he say you will feel Loveling, you won't you won't feel like being rude, and you'll never feel like seeking your own. <laughs> he didn't say that. He told you what the behavior is. Amen? Amen. And here's the good news: that's how God behaves towards you. Amen. Amen. That's how God behaves towards you. Okay? Now, and the second reason God loves you so much is I just want you to think about this, and we're about to read it in just a moment. You are his divine creation, his masterpiece that came straight from his imagination. You see, we spend a lot of time worrying about, oh, my country of origin and my, and my ancestors and my I'm this and I'm that and, or I don't know what I am and I need to find out and blah, blah, blah. Let me help you all. Let me help you all. Your country of origin is heaven. (laughs) 
And if you've chosen to make him savior, you're going home to meet him one day. You'll know all about your country. <laughs> Amen? You're going to know all about it, so don't worry about it. All this stuff's going to mean zero. If, you, if, if they brought you over on a ship and you don't know where you came from, if you belong to God, he knows where you came from. You came from him. And that's all you got to know about it. Amen. Okay? Now, a lot of people, I'm, we're going we're gonna to read this in just a moment. But actually, let's just go there now. Let's go to Psalm 139. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Just... <clears throat> and we're going to read verses 13 through 18. <clears throat> it says, For you formed me, you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Everybody say that. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Now listen to this. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. More in number than the sand. And I love this part. And this part may go by you. When I awake, I am still with you. I am still with you. First of all, let's just talk about that more than the number of sand. He didn't say the sand, uh, you know, on the island of such and such. He didn't say the sand on the beach of so and so. He just said the sand. The sand of all the earth. Think about that. Your, your head can't, if you pick up a handful of sand, you would be there all day trying to count how many grains of sand were in that handful of dirt. Can you imagine that God spent more thoughts on you than all the sand on all the earth? You don't spend that kind of thought on something you're not passionate about. Amen? I mean, you think about that. Listen, now I've said this before, but it bears repeating. When you, were, when you were young and you had that first love and you were, oh my goodness, you know, you just couldn't wait to spend time with them. I had a boyfriend like that when I was a teenager. Sorry, honey, we're just going to talk about that for a moment. But <laughs> you can just close your ears, Jerry. But anyway, I'd get on the phone with him. And we'd be on the phone and we'd talk for about the first, you know, I don't know, hour. But by then we've said everything there is to, see, to say, but we'd just be on the phone breathing together. You know, we didn't have anything else to say, but we were just on the phone. And I'd say, okay. He'd say, I'm going to go. And I'd say, you hang up. And he'd say, no, you hang up. And I'd say, no, no, you hang up. Now, now listen. I was consumed with thinking about him and he was consumed with thinking about me. But do you know that in all of that thought, I know for a fact I never came anywhere close to thinking about him more than all the sand on the earth. Amen. I'm telling you, God is passionate. Passionate about you, his creation. He's so passionate about you. Not just all of us, yes, all of us, but you, the individual. You, the individual. He said he knew you before you were even wrought in your mother's womb. How did he know that? You were in here. God dreamed you up. God sat and he imagined. He spent so much thought, more thought than the sand, to imagine a Paul. And then he said, you know what? 
it is good. I'm going to do it. So be it. So be it. Let it be. I have thought of Rosie, and it is good. It is good. Let it be. Let it be. So be it. So be it. I've thought of Debbie, and Debbie's good. She's a piece of my imagination. How could she be anything else? She's good. She's really good. Let that be. Let that be. Bring her into existence. I've thought of Rob. Rob's awesome. He's a piece of my imagination. Let it be. I thought of Gary. I thought of Frank. I thought of Elias. I thought of Leslie. I thought of Bob. I thought of Justin. I thought of Miss Betty. I thought of Charlene. I thought of you. I thought of Barbara. I thought of Rosa. I thought of Wilson. And I've thought of you too. I don't know your names, but he thought of you too. Amen? Amen. 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 And Pastor Jeannie, he, saw, he sat and he brewed and he thought and he imagined extensively Amen. and beyond anything that we can possibly comprehend. Now, I don't know of anywhere in the Bible where God did anything randomly. <laughs> I, I mean, if you can find that, let me know. I don't know where it's at, but it's not in there where I've seen it. Nothing has he done randomly. And I got news for you. You're not random either. Amen. You're not random. Now, when if I have a painting, and that painting's got a signature on the bottom of it, and it just happens to say Van Gogh. Now, I like the painting. I think it's a beautiful painting. You don't like the painting. You think, well, that's a stupid painting. I wouldn't have picked that painting. But does that change its value? No, it doesn't change its value. You know why? Because it's got that signature on it. Van Gogh. Its value is established Amen. whether you like it Amen. or you don't like it. It's established by who the artist was. Amen? Amen. All right. So who establishes your worth? There's only one person qualified to do that. Only one being that is qualified to establish your worth. Yes. Only one. And he's the one who created you. Amen? Yes. Amen? Yes. All right. Let's look at Ephesians 1, 4 through 7. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Apparently, your value was so high that he was willing to pay the ultimate price to buy you back out of slavery. He imagined you as his son and his daughter, and he didn't give that imagination up. And he has done everything. He paid the highest price, the biggest price that could be given for you, which was his son, Jesus Christ. God established your value. God established it. Romans 5, 8, and 9. You got Romans 5, 8, and 9? Let's just go there. You can just turn there in your Bible. Okay. And it says, But God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Not only did he pay the highest price for you, but he did that while you were still a sinner. While you weren't even you you weren't even seeking him, he was seeking you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he wanted you. He's always wanted you. He's always wanted all the people on the earth. 
As a matter of fact, Jesus has already paid the price for absolutely every person on the earth. He's already paid the, the, the penalty for absolutely every person who has ever lived and whoever will live from this time forward for every sin and for every failure and for every shortcoming. Jesus has already paid the price. You just have to connect with it. People don't go to hell because they, because they're, they, they sin. They go to hell because they don't have the life of God in them because they didn't receive Jesus. That's why they go to hell. It's not their individual sins. That's important for you to keep in mind. Why? Because when you get your individual sin uh, thrown up before your face, you've got to remember, I wasn't going to hell because of the individual sin. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Amen? But listen, if God has placed the value on you that he would give his only begotten son, that he himself would come and put on flesh and dwell here amongst you and go to the cross and take every person's sin that has ever been born or who will ever be born and every vile thing that they have ever done, every vile murderer, Hitler, every vile sinner, every vile, perverted, horrifying sin, he said, you know what? I'm going to go do it because I want them. And if I don't do it, they'll be in hell. My masterpiece, the, the, the thing I'm passionate about, the thing I wanted and I, I dreamed of and I, and I created and I made to be good. And I'm not willing to turn it loose. And so I will pay the ultimate price to have it. That's your value. That's your value. That is how he loves you. That is how he loves you. It's that big. Kind of hard for us to wrap our head around, really. <laughs> right? Over in the children's... Um, you know, the little, where we, uh, I, the pre-K or whatever we call that over there, the little children's room. Uh, there's a little book over there, and I forgot the title of it. But one day, Nikki was like, oh, you just have to read this book, this story. I just love this story. And so I read that little story, and it's about this little wooden boy. And he's in a town of little wooden people, and they're called the Wemmicks. And the Wemmicks have a pocket full of stickers, <laughs> some of them are gray dots and some of them are gold stars. And the Wemmicks go about their day observing each other in their little town and all the little wooden Wemmicks give each other stars or gray dots. So if they see you and they think you have a great talent and you're smart and you can, you can sing and they give you, all of them give you stars. But if they see you and you mess up and they think that one's not very talented, they're kind of dumb, they put gray, they put gray stickers on them. Well, the little Wemmick never seems to get any gold stars because he doesn't have any special talents. He doesn't have any, you know, he can't run real fast or jump real high or sing a great song. And so all the other Wemmicks constantly start putting, they start seeing that he doesn't have gold stars. And some of them will give him a gray dot just because he doesn't have any gold stars. They'll just give him a gray dot for the fact that he doesn't have any gold stars. And so he starts to feel bad about himself. And he doesn't like to go hang with the other little wood people another little wood creatures because they make him feel bad. And so he finds the little group of wood creatures that all have the gray dots. And he goes and hangs with all the little creatures that have the gray dots because he feels better about himself when he's in the midst of the other gray dots. And then one day a little girl comes along, a beautiful little Wemmick girl, but, and she's so beautiful and he looks at her, and, but she has no stickers. She doesn't have any stars and she doesn't have any gray dots. And he's so excited and thinks she's so beautiful. He says, I'm going to give her a star. I'm going to go put a star on the beautiful Wemmick. And so he goes to put the star on the beautiful Wemmick, but the, but the star won't stick to her. The star won't stick to the beautiful Wemmick. And she just laughs. And he says, hey, you know, why won't the, why won't the, the, the gold star stick to you? Why don't you have any stickers? And, and, and why won't the gold star stick to you? And she says, oh, she says, stickers don't stick to me because I've met Eli. And the little Wemmick says, well, who is Eli? And she says, oh, that's our maker. 
That's the guy that created us. She says, hey, you should go see Eli. He says, you think I should? And she says, oh, yes, you should go see Eli. This is where he lives. You should go meet Eli. And so one day the little boy, little boy Wemmick is out wandering around and he sees the house that, that Eli lives in where the little girl told him. And he thinks, I, I just wonder if I could go meet Eli. Maybe I should go try to meet Eli. And so he goes and he meets Eli. And he like he comes in and 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 he's talking to Eli and he's learning about Eli and he he says he starts to the little Wemmick guy uh, tells Eli about the little girl Wemmick and he says I met this little girl Wemmick and she told me that she came to meet you and that that's why she doesn't have any any stickers on her and he said why yes son he said this is because she has come to meet me and she understands that what I say about her is the only thing that's important. And therefore, no other Wemmicks can place any stickers upon her. Be it good or be it bad. She places more value on what I say about her than what they say about her. Listen. You got to get so rooted and grounded in the love of God that you don't allow the other Wemmicks around you to put their labels on you. <laughs> Amen. You don't allow the Wemmicks to give you a label. You don't allow them to tell you what you're worth. Amen. And when you are that secure and when you place more value on who God says that you are, their labels wouldn't be able to stick anyway. Their stickers can't stick to you anyhow. Amen? You got to get so rooted and grounded in that. And let me tell you something. Sometimes you ought to just go read a kid's story. It'll help you in your faith. (laughs) Amen. Sometimes you ought to just really read a kid's story. It just brings it right down to where we live. Amen? But you just got to get so rooted and grounded. And when you're that rooted and grounded... Guess what happens? You're so secure in the love that he has for you. You're not moved by their attempt. You're not even moved by their attempt to put a sticker on you. And not only are you not moved by their attempt, just like the little girl, uh, Wemmick, who just laughed, you're able to just laugh and love anyway and say, hey, why don't you go meet Eli? (laughs) Why don't you go meet the creator? Amen? Amen? Amen. Now, maybe you say, well, that sounds good, Teresa. That's nice, you know. Um, But you don't understand. See, the people who put labels on me and devalued me were the people who were supposed to love me the most. I mean, maybe you didn't come up in a house where they valued you. Maybe the people who put labels on you were your mom and your dad or, you know, your siblings or the people you trusted or the people you loved. Or maybe those people weren't even around at all. And maybe you grew up without that. Well, can I tell you something? Your ultimate father is always there. He is still. He is still the one who establishes your value. As a matter of fact, he says that he'll be your father. Let's look at Psalm 27, 10. Let's look at that. Thank you. Is our uh, thing broke back there? <laughs> It's all right. We got Bibles. We can look it up. Psalm 2710. It says, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Look, maybe your mom and your daddy didn't stand by you. Maybe, maybe, you know, they didn't build it into you. But listen, you've got the ultimate father now. 
And he loves you with more love than your, your, your earthly parents could have ever loved you anyway, even if they were good parents. Amen? Let's look at Galatians 3.26. Just flip over there real quick. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. See, it doesn't matter what you, what you imagine as your family of origin. You've been adopted into a new family. Amen. And you don't need to take your value from whatever happened there anymore. Yeah. Whatever that was. Whatever that looked like. Be it good or be it bad. Forget it. Just forget it. Right. Amen? Just forget it. Listen, you belong to God. It doesn't get any better than that. Because here's what happens. We, we, we tend to place our value just a little bit to evaluate how good we are. Uh, that can be a thing. I say that out of my own experience. You know, I grew up in a household where mm, it wasn't that great. Okay? And they didn't always value me very much. As a matter of fact, I'd say most of the time they didn't value me. I was just a nuisance in their world. Amen? And I tended to take on that idea about myself. I had a little bit of an orphan mentality. Always feeling like, yeah, they don't want me here. And, and, and it will still try to crop up. It'll still try to crop up. So what do I do about it? Well, I get out my Bible and I remind me, I remind me of just who I am. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I just get out the Bible and remind myself. I just remind myself, my value comes from my creator who loved me and gave his son for me. He loved me so much. He, he paid the ultimate price for me. He thought about me. He wrote a book about me. Not only did he write a book about me, he thought so much about me, he actually knows how many hairs are on my head. Go ahead and go home and try to count your own hair. <laughs> Let me know how that goes. And not only that, even when I was hurting, he says, he put my tears in a bottle. In other words, he was right there. He's like, her tears are in my bottle. Not forgotten. Not forgotten. Not forgotten. Amen? I got to get that down in me. You got to get that down in you. You got to get a hold of it. You got to know that it's real. Well, how do I know that it's real? It's not my feelings. I have it right here. I have it right here. Amen? Yeah. Amen. All right. Let's look real quick at Romans 8, 31 through 39. Do I just need to turn there? Do we have it up there? Or we... we... Okay. Cool. Okay. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Amen? Amen. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter, yet... In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who what? Loved us. us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No created thing. No created thing can separate you from the love of Christ. Amen. And the other thing that this scripture tells us right here is that we cannot look at our circumstances to determine how much God loves us. 
apparently there may be times when I experience peril and sword and famine and principalities and powers coming against me. Apparently that could happen. Apparently we know it does happen. Right? And I cannot look at my circumstances and go, if God loved me, why am I going through this? He's telling you right there, it has nothing to do with how I love you. The fact that you're going through that, and why do you need to be grounded in that? Because the minute you start going through a hard time, what does the devil tell you? Well, if God loved you, he would rescue you from this right now. You wouldn't have to go through this. You wouldn't have to fight the fight. I mean, why am I here so long? Why is this taking so long? Why doesn't God love me? If God loved me, <laughs> right? He's telling you right here, you don't base it on any of that. Whether all of that happens to you in one day, his love for you is rock solid. Whether you understand what you're going through or not, his love for you is rock solid. Amen? Whether you struggle and you say, why am I struggling so, God? Where are you? And he says, oh, my love for you is rock solid. Rock solid. Don't you worry. My love for you is rock solid. Rock solid. Amen. Amen. Let's look at Jeremiah. Uh, well, let me see. Where do I want to go now? Yeah, let's look at Jeremiah 31.3. It says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Everlasting love. What did he just say? There is nothing created that can separate you from his love. Do you know that every person that dies without Jesus goes to hell and they are solidly loved did you know that did you know that right now certain political people that you don't really care for are solidly loved by God they chose to go off in the wrong way but it hasn't changed the way that God loves them the choice is theirs right amen and so that, 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 that love for them is solid. They go to hell with Jesus loving them because they didn't make the choice to turn. But there was no problem with God loving them. There was no problem with that. Let's look now. Okay, so let's talk a minute. Let's just switch gears here for a minute. Yeah, let's switch gears here for a minute. Because you have to be grounded in the love to avoid getting into fear. Okay, when we start talking about right living, and listen, if the devil can't just get you into outright sin, well, he don't mind just using the word to bash you over the head, using some guilt. He'll, he'll use the word to get you into condemnation, and he'll get you to start confessing all kinds of things that you hadn't ought to be confessing, like, I'm going to hell. I'm, I, oh, no, I found this in the book of James, and I think I'm going to hell. You know, I mean, what, what just happened? You... <laughs> What does the Bible tell us about? Hold fast our confession of what? Faith. Faith. Okay? He, listen, he don't mind. He don't mind however he can get you. Right? And so we have to understand the difference between, between um, we're going to get into some stuff here in just a minute, but we have to understand the difference between missing it sometimes and living a lifestyle that rejects God on a regular basis, okay? And so there is a difference, and we have to be able to, to, to evaluate that. First of all, let's look at this. Let's look at Ephesians 4.30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were what? Sealed for the day of redemption. Amen. Let's look real quick at Romans 8, 1 through 4. It says... There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Okay, capture that. Those who walk according to the Spirit. All right, now, give me verse 9. 
Actually, go through four first. Go through four. Eight through, okay. No, oh, I want you to do eight, one, two, three, and four. Back up to two. Thank you, sir. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ, Jesus, has made me free from the law of sin and death. Amen? For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Now I want you to drop down to, to 16 through 17. Verses 16 and 17. For the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and join heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And now real quick, I want to look at John 14, 16 through 17. It says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Listen to that. Whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. Okay, so I have to be rock solid in the idea that the Holy Spirit is within me. That I've been sealed with that Holy Spirit. Amen? I have to get rock solid in that, that, that concept. Okay? And, 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 and if I know that the Holy Spirit is in me bearing witness, how do I know when I've messed up so bad that I would be going to hell? Well, I wouldn't be sensing that Holy Spirit, would I? I probably wouldn't care too much that I was messed up that bad because I wouldn't have the Holy, I, I wouldn't have the Holy Spirit there telling me. Right? Listen, so many Christians get into this thing. This is one of the devil's favorite. It's his favorite. He, he, he loves this one. You mess up real bad. You do something real stupid. I mean, it's bad. You're, you're, you're beating yourself real good. And you're like, how could I have done that? I know better. And he'll take that, you know better. Oh, yes, he will. He'll take that part. He's like, yes, you knew better. And you did it anyway. You're not even saved anymore. Oh, yeah. What if you committed the unpardonable sin? What if because you knowingly sinned? And especially if, you, if, it, if it lasted for just a little while. You know, if it was something you got off into, spent some time off there. You say, oh, you low worm, you're not even saved anymore. Mm. You don't have the Holy Spirit. What do you do in a moment like that? You know what I do? Just what Pastor Lisa said. Oh, wait a minute, devil. I still got the Holy Spirit working in me and helping me to pray about this situation. Whoops, you lied again and I caught you. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. You just open up your mouth and prove to yourself you still got the Holy Ghost. Don't let him lie to you like that. If you need to repent, you repent. The very fact that you are worrying about the fact that you might not go to heaven means you didn't commit the unpardonable sin. The Holy Spirit's not talking to you when he's departed from you. And the devil surely ain't going to tell you to repent. He surely is not going to tell you. <laughs> I, I, trust me, he ain't telling you that. Amen. Now, let's look here at Hebrews 6. Four through six. Now I'm going to talk to you about can somebody lose their salvation? Well, they can, but it is a very purposeful thing. Yes. It is not something that you're going to do accidentally one day or, or because you got off track a little bit. It's a very purposeful thing. So let's read this. It says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become, I want you to listen to all the things here who once were enlightened. 
means their eyes were opened, means they had revelation, and have tasted the heavenly gift. They've tasted of the good things of God. They're mature. They've walked with God like a pastor. Somebody who's grown in the Lord and has full understanding of what they're doing. And have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. In other words, they recognize the Holy Spirit. They recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit. They know how to walk with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Go ahead to the next one. And have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. If they fall away, to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. Is, it, it, it's nearly impossible to do that. Why? Why? Because this is somebody who was mature in the Lord. Yeah. This is somebody like Dr. Mary Fran, like Reverend Hankins, like Kenneth Copeland. Somebody who's walked in the fullness of the gospel, who's mature, who has good understanding and knows how to rightly divide that word, who's communed with the Holy Spirit and knows him, knows his voice and cannot easily be deceived, who knows how to walk in the gifts, who has shared in the mysteries and shared them with others. It's a mature person making a decision, I'm walking away from this. And God, I don't want you anymore. Okay, now. Now you have chosen that. And God will allow you to do that because you have free will. He will allow you to do that. He will not infringe upon your free will. When you absolutely know, if you go back and read the story about the, the, when they, the, the Pharisee blasphemed the Holy Ghost. Jesus was doing works that were clearly, it says that the works were clearly seen and understood to be of the Holy Ghost. In other words, there was no mistake about it. There was, there was clear revelation of God in that moment that anybody could see and know. And they attributed that to the devil and called it bad. Okay, and that was blaspheming the Holy Ghost. In other words, I clearly see you, Holy Ghost, and I reject you. Okay, but now listen, if I come along and I'm having a bad day, and I say, oh, blank, <laughs> fill in the blank with whatever your favorite word might be. <laughs> And then I go and I'm like, oh, man, oh, man, I shouldn't have said that. You know, I don't know why I said that. I'm sorry, God. I, I repent of that. I don't, you know, I'm sorry about that. Two minutes later, devil's in there. I thought you said you were a mature Christian. You believed the word and all that. You, listen to you in there talking to your husband with that attitude. You call yourself a Christian on my word. Oh, you ain't done. You're just, what about over here? What if you did something big? Whoa, you had an affair. And you knew it was sin. You're an adulterer and you know that no adulterer is going to heaven. You know that. Also, you knew it was bad when you did it. God doesn't even want you anymore. Oh, don't you think the devil won't talk to you like that? I talk from experience. There was a period of time where I had walked away from God, and I knew that. I was out living in the world. Now, I didn't know all the things that I know now. I basically was just a baby Christian because I was in a church where they really didn't teach me anything except repentance and acceptance of Jesus. And a lot of don't do this and don't do that, but they never told me how to don't do this and don't do that. And tell me, you should do this and you should do that. They also didn't tell me how I should do this and do that. I had no idea how to be at any of that. Okay, so, you know, I walked away. And, and, and then there came a day when God was wooing me. Now, listen, God was wooing me. I was, living in, I was living in the world, but I'd get alone in my car or in my bed. And I'd be driving down the road. And I'd start thinking, I really want to go back. And then immediately... Immediately, a voice would come and say, you can't go back now. 
I mean, what are you going to do now? You've already done this, this, and this, and you know that's bad. God's not going to take you back. And I would sit in my car and just cry sometimes. I'd be like, God won't take me back. I would cry just thinking about it right now. I could cry because I was sure that I would end up in hell because I had just gone too far. I had just committed too much sin, and I had done it knowingly. I knew it was sin, and I did it. Anybody been there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the devil comes along, and he wants you to believe, baby, it's too late for you to turn around. You ain't going. You can't go back. God don't want you. Well, I was driving down I-4 one day, and I've told this before, and I was going home. And at that time, Jerry and I lived in, in, in Longwood. It was early in our marriage, and, and uh, I was driving, and I didn't have much gas in my car, and they were working on I-4. Oh, boy, like anything's new there. Okay, and so they're working on I-4, and, and, and I get to where my exit's supposed to be, but they've got it blocked off, and I'm confused, and then I miss the exit, and I'm like, oh, no, I've got very little gas in my car because I, I lived right by a 7-Eleven, and I was just going to go right there, get gas, and just go right home, you see. But now I can't get off the, the I-4 because I can't get off until I get all the way to Lake Mary, and I don't have enough gas to get to Lake Mary, and I'm in a, and I'm in a tiz. I'm like, oh, man, I love, what am I going to do? I might run out of gas on the side of the road. Oh, man, what am I going to do? And then all of a sudden, very calmly inside of myself, a little voice of reason said, well, they're working on this road. And they've made a lot of tracks right through the center of this road. And when you get to the next one, you're just going to turn around. You're not going to just keep driving in the wrong direction and run out of gas. I'm just going to turn right around where these workers have been turning around, and I'm going back the other way. And as soon as I said that to myself, the Holy Spirit said, exactly, Teresa, when you're going the wrong way, all you do is turn around. I was like, yeah, don't keep going in the wrong direction. Just turn around. It's that simple. Amen. Just turn around. That's all I got to do. Listen, it's all you got to do. It's all you got to do. Don't keep going in the wrong direction. It's pretty simple. Just turn around. How do I know we can do that? Well, how do I know that I can even, I could even miss it? I mean, I mean, I'm a Christian. How do I know? Well, he gave us 1 John 1, 9. Yes. Apparently, he thought we might need it. Yes. <laughs> Apparently, he thought there was going to be times when we would need it. Yes. Now, listen. Sin doesn't have dominion over you. So even as I tell you this, understand that at any time you can resist sin. We sin because we conceive it in our minds. That's what the word tells us. Why am I telling you that? Because we are preaching on on righteous living around here. Why? Because pastors are sick and tired of seeing the devil take you out because you've opened up the doors and chose to go his way instead of the way that God has made for you. They want to see you grow. They want to see you they want to see you prosper. They want to see you enjoy all the good things of God. And so yes, they do talk about uh sin and they may get strong about it sometimes. But here's what happens. When you feel that conviction, you rejoice. It doesn't mean you're going to hell. It's just the opposite. It means that God loves you so much that he's chastising you like a son. And he's given you the opportunity right then and there to go, hey, you know what? I'm going in the wrong direction. I better just turn around. That's all repentance is. That's all it is. Don't get in condemnation. There's no condemnation on you. There's no condemnation on you. Jesus already took care of it. And you are rock solid in his love. His love is rock solid for you. His love was even rock solid for Hitler. Now that's heavy. That's heavy. <laughs> it was rock solid for him. But he didn't choose that. He didn't choose God. And so when you're messing up, 
and you're going in the wrong direction, instead of getting in fear and getting in condemnation, you just go ahead right there in your seat and say, oh, thank you, God, for 1 John 1, 9. I just repent of that, Lord. I ask you to forgive me, and now it's under the blood, and I'm just going to turn myself around, and I'm not just going to keep going in the wrong direction. Amen. Amen. Right? And then I rest in the fact that that work is done. Right? Yes. Now, real quick, I just want to show you something here. How do I know that's exactly how it works? Well, let's look at John 13, 6 through 10. This is when Jesus was washing the, the, the disciples' feet. Okay? And he's, and then, let's just read this. It says, Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him and said, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. (laughs) And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet but is completely clean, and you are clean. But not all of you talking about Judas Iscariot. Now, what's he talking about there? Throw up that next verse, uh, John 15, 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. See, if you're washed in Jesus' blood, if you're, if, you're, if you're in Jesus, there's no condemnation to you. You've already been cleaned up, but you need your feet cleaned up sometimes because you started walking in the wrong direction. Right. Amen? If the word's dwelling in you, then the word's still there. Who is the word? Well, we know who the word was from, from John 1. What does it tell us? And the word was with us, and the word was flesh, and the, uh, the word was with God, and it, and it, oh, I can't even say it now. But y'all know what I'm talking about. But the word was in the beginning, and the word was with God, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Who's the word? Jesus. What does Psalms tell us? He sent his word, and he delivered us from all of our destruction. He healed us, and then he did what? He delivered us from all our destructions. Amen. You are secure in Jesus as long as you are not purposely turning your back. Okay. You got to get that securely in you. I hope you wrote some of these verses down and I hope you'll think about it. Okay. We're about out of time here, but I just want to end on this, on a couple of verses here. I want you to remember God is doing everything he can to get you into heaven. He's paid the highest price to get you into heaven. He is not sitting in heaven hoping he can get you into hell. He's not sitting there just leaning over going, oh, you just wait, Amber. The minute you mess up, girl, I'm zapping you and it is straight to hell with you. He's not doing that. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay. 1 John 3, 1. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Okay, John 15 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Amen. Greater love has no one ever had for you. 1 John 4 18. And we're going to end on this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love, God, perfect love, God, cast out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. In other words, you're not grounded in it. Okay? So if you find yourself in fear after these uh, right living messages, just go home and get yourself grounded in that love. Repent if you need to. Certainly take that in. If you feel convicted, there's a reason. Just go ahead and repent. Super simple. Just turn around. Just turn around. As a matter of fact, when you go through your day and you mess up, don't what? Why wait? Why wait until Pastor tells you? Why don't you just go? Whoa! I just missed it. I think I'll just repent of that right now. 
Amen. It's just that simple. We, we try to make some big, you know, ceremony out of it. Like we need to go and flagellate ourselves and be really, really sorry and, you know, cry and whatever. Just say, God, I missed it. I apologize. I agree with you. You're right. I'm wrong. Wash me clean. And then you walk away from that thing. And when the devil tries to bring it up, you say, ha, oh, no, Mr. Devil, that's under the blood. And if he keeps talking to you about it, you say, yeah, you know, I did that and I'm still going to heaven. Woo, what do you think about that? Amazing grace. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to dismiss us. We're going to pray. I thank you all for coming. I know that you've been tired. You've been through, you know, several nights and you're probably tired, but I thank you for your faithfulness. Amen. Okay. Father, we just thank you so much for your rock solid love. Papa, I pray that every one of us would get so grounded in this that just from the overflow of knowing that you love us like that, we'd be able to love each other. And we would freely forgive others when we realize just how much you've forgiven us. And I thank you and I praise you. And I pray that you'll protect each person as they go out of here tonight. Bring them to their home safely and bring them back here safely. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all are just- we hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us, too, that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.